Hello everybody, welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. It's been, uh, for those that are tuning in for the first time, we're just here talking to some individuals in the automotive industry, just trying to get their experience on it and how they came to be in this world, and, and any tips for you guys out there listening. And, and this day, we've got someone rather special. He is uh, probably living the dream, as some of our listeners might think, of being a <laughs> racing car driver. But also, on the flip side of that, being a, a driving instructor... He probably lives one or two nightmares, I'm sure, along the way of uh, stories that can he t- can tell us. But it's uh, Alessandro Bassan. And so, Alessandro, firstly, obviously, thank you so much for braving Los Angeles traffic today. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. Really appreciate that. <laughs> but um, let's just dive right in and find out how how did you sort of get into this position? What was it? Where did you get? Where's the background come from? Well, first of all, thank you, James, for having me on the show. Of course, a great pleasure to be here. And um, how how did I get started? Like, I guess to to put it like in a in a simple way, is just you can sum it up to one word: is passion. Okay. All right. So everybody starts, you know, anything from a passion, right? So I started my background. Uh, I started racing carts. Uh, I come from a racing family, so... And then, obviously, you have a bit of an accent there. Oh, yes, yes. I, I think I'm going to try, you know, the, the way I was imagining this, uh, you know, this podcast going as this interview, it was like, I'm going to try the most the most Americanized accent, and then I'm just going to finish and be like, the, hey, I'm Italian, you oh, know? Oh, yeah, well, I was going <laughs> to say, aren't you from Texas with that accent? <laughs> no, exactly. I try hard, but okay. I, I, there's there's no help in it, you All know? right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, obviously, you grew up in Italy. You yeah. Had, which, I mean, let's be honest, Italy kind of has this uh, passion for automotive. Oh, of course, yeah. And whatnot, so... You had that passion there. So did you get the passion from your family? Yes, yes. That, that started all the, from the family, uh, kind of. Of course, my dad was a racer, and I have an older brother, uh, about 13 years older, which was a racer too. So, um, yeah, they, they raced, of course. And so I kind of came up, you know, the story goes in the family is that basically when I was still like, in my, you know, my mom's belly, basically, mm-hmm. uh, she was, you know, my father was actually racing go-karts. Yep. And he would bring, you know, it was a different era. It was not anything professional. It was just like a hobby kind of racing and he was bringing his go-kart on top of his car and my mom was kind of the engineer so she was like taking the times and you know just you know writing in on the paper and mm-hmm. kind of like going through it and he was mechanic himself and everything so I think that kind of like we like to say uh, the the sound and the smell of gas and engines you know kind of was in you know I, I felt even before coming to the world so it, yeah it's always been I don't know why but yeah I always been like very very passionate about it you know of course growing up I was just you know Formula One was always a, a thing you know every Sunday there was Formula One I was watching it uh, I remember watching you know Senna Prost you know there was the 90s yep. uh, and all the battles over there and then all the sort of different motorsports and then eventually I actually started kind of late mm-hmm. um, because if you figure that background you might imagine I was like four years old I was already on a go-kart but I actually started at eight years old okay because um, yeah because you know I was uh, between school and uh, and uh, kind of different programs I actually started doing I, I was doing different sports I always been into sports but I did some basketball imagine that you know it's like <laughs> I know it's a big thing here but uh, yeah. yeah I started some mini basket kind of thing it was called there uh, and then I do some cycling actually competitive cycling in my young age uh, but then yeah it just didn't come together I just like you know did it for a couple of years then didn't and then somehow I, I started to get more and more into you know I always had the passion. I was playing with cars, and I remember I was like, I was actually forcing the friends of mine, or like my gang over yep. there, like in the, in the street where I was living, to actually forcing them to simulate races okay. with the bikes. I was kind of oh, like, okay. okay, so you are this, and I was putting names of, at the time it was like, uh, I think it was like bike, because of course we had bikes, so it was like yeah. a M- MotoGP kind of thing, so you are that guy, you are Mike Duan, you are this, and we're battling together, and and they hated me for that, <laughs> of course, because I always wanted to win, of yep. course. Because so, you obviously racing car drivers, not competitive whatsoever no 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 absolutely no they just do it for the fun yeah purely for the fun no 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 competitors in anything at all right no so yeah basically that that was it I had a huge competitive instinct and and somehow I wanted to kind of get into it and so I I actually had to force my father to get me into a go-kart like it it wasn't natural you know I kind of had to tell him hey I want to do it I want to do it when you bring me when you bring me when you bring me finally yeah I remember the day he brought me to the racetrack and from then on it was just pure love for it just want to keep on doing 
And then, so obviously, we hear a lot, especially for, uh, for like racing drivers, no famous ones, say, coming through mm-hmm. through karting. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about how that kind of thing works? I mean, you're talking about obviously you go on to different races every weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, usually the way everybody starts is usually they go to uh, you know a racetrack, of course. Then they have like rental cars over there. That's usually how you get the first taste. Okay. You know, you go with uh, maybe a friend has a go kart that they give you to try one time for the day, or it's always depending how on the environment as well. Who do you know? But usually, what do you do? You go to the racetrack. You 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 know you watch races stuff like that and then from there you try to get into one and usually that's usually how you start you you get into one and from there you know it really depends uh i the way i started it was you know my father of course it was a family passion so he knew a lot of people in the business let's say and he was able to get like a you know uh he he knew a guy that had a go-kart to uh, that was selling go-karts like you sell uh you use go-karts mm-hmm. he had kind of like a little market mm-hmm. and so he would let me kind of test those go-karts like every other Sunday, let's say. And so we were going to the track and we're using all these, I was testing all these different go-karts and it was a chance for me to actually drive. Mm-hmm. So I was in the meantime learning and enjoying and, you know, learning the craft also with other kids uh, because, of course, you know, like you can imagine in Italy, it's pretty busy on the track yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. So especially in the go-kart track. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's probably how I got started. And from there, yeah, we just got a go-kart. And uh, so what, what size engine would you be working with the go-karts? At the beginning, at the beginning, usually when as a kid you start with the 50cc. Yep. Uh, it's a two-stroke, of course. But uh, I started actually directly from the 60 okay. cc, which was quite a bigger cart at the yep. time, you know. So it's like there's you now you got like baby cart, mini cart, and then you got like junior carts, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, at the time I started with a mini cart, and it was already quite a big. Quite a fast cart, you know. Uh, now I don't remember exactly the speed that we'll get to, but it was getting more. Oh, now we got the thing because I still work on KPH. Yeah. So I, I will say that I don't want to mistake. But yeah, I think around um, 80 miles an hour. So yeah, yeah around 120. And K, then obviously yeah. carts, they're quite low to the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your battery is literally on the ground. And yeah. there's not too much suspension? No, nothing at all. So <laughs> the idea, obviously, now of doing it still through, finds me, thrills me, is like joyful of doing it. But then I'm pretty sure that if I spent probably more than 15 minutes oh, yeah. in a go-kart, I'll be really feeling it yes. the next day. Of course. Yeah, you will feel it. You feel, <laughs> depend, of course, depending on the card. Yeah. But... but any card, like if you have, especially the, the least experience that you have, the worse it is. I yeah. always say, like, you get in a competition card, it's like you walk in a washing machine. Yeah. It's like you do a cycle, yeah. and that's how you came out. Yeah. You come out, basically, out of it. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. And so you, so you start in the 60cc, and so how many years did you do the 60cc once? Um, I, I think I did the three, four years. I mean, I started eight, and I passed on the junior class, actually, quite young. It was like 12 mm-hmm. years old so yeah it's about four years yeah. now did your brother do any racing as well then yeah yeah he did yeah did he race a, so now i've got the big question Obviously, oh yeah, yeah you race probably at different stages yeah yeah, yeah different yeah. times yeah but did you ever compare lap times against each other in your oh cards? uh actually uh not really we did some outings uh when you know when we both went together no but like, i mean with your dad as well because you said your dad obviously oh was yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. i was like was there any so, competition between the three of you like at this track it's like oh we did oh we, we have that time well i think we different we we raced in so many you know so many years apart yep. that the cart goes just naturally faster of so course. i was i always at the edge well basically. i'm guessing that's your father's excuse for why yeah, his exactly. lap times are so much exactly slower. technology's moved on yeah exactly exactly it's cheating it's not you worth know, judging in my days you know i was taking that corner flat out even if we had you know if we didn't have the tires as grippy as yours stuff like that yeah of course yeah of course. <laughs> always it's always the excuse right yeah of course always always so then so obviously so he went to the junior cart so what size is the junior cart then uh, but junior car is start to already be like uh, it's of course it's a hundred cc engine and it starts to be like the normal size go kart the one that you see the competition one it starts yep. to be quite big so you see little kids literally that are almost peeking out of the steering wheel yeah and that's that's basically the first real serious car that you can drive okay. after you know at a young age yeah so that's that's you start from there and from there the chassis the size remains the same. Uh, and then you just keep going out with more powerful engines, basically. But there's okay. not many steps after really after that. It's quite just a 
couple of steps after that. And then I imagine it's obviously it's always competitive going through, but I'm mm-hmm. going to imagine that obviously the costs also go up with the size oh, yeah. of the cart. Yes, of course, of course. And yeah. the more powerful engines. Yeah, well, the, nowadays actually the it's kind of weird what is happening, but because, you know, how the the motorsport industry and, and the world is actually working right now, it's you see some of the biggest budgets in the mini carts. Yeah. Because now you get like all these dads that want to have like the next Formula One star kind of mm-hmm. like. And where where is that you start? Mini cart, of course, right? Yeah. So everybody gets over there and they come from all over the world. And of course, like still Italy is kind of like the center, you know, Europe, but Italy especially is kind of like where they go to race, mm-hmm. the international races. And so they kind of go there and they just throw money in the bucket just to, you know, oh, we need to test and this, this, this. And they have like a program, like almost like Formula One. And, but just for the, for the mini cart, you know, so it's, it's changed a lot. For, in my days, it was still like, uh, you know, very inexpensive. I mean, you had some expenses, but you know, just like inexpensive type of racing that you could enjoy and do it. Just me, my dad, and that was it, basically. Yeah, I know, because I've talked to, uh, some parents of race mm. car drivers as well, where their mm. children have been going through and, and the amount of money they talk about for yeah. needing a new car for the season, they've been one breaking and then needing to buy a second one. I mean, it is, it is quite a bit of money. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I mean, will not believe it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking like, I mean, we're talk- I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> oh, I mean, yes, and, like, yes. Like, I, I didn't even spend it on yes. my new car, oh, my exactly, brand new car that exactly. I drive to work. I was like, jeez. So, so how successful were you in the car mm-hmm. and, and what what was the, like the passion that kept you like moving forward and going through? Well, of course, you just mentioned the, 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 the you know, the, the tough point, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, where you, you either you know, do it, keep on doing it, you find a way to keep on doing it, or you just quit because, of course, the cost. Yep. So, you know, um, I wasn't coming from a wealthy family any, in, anywhere. You know, I always, cho- I always say as a joke is I chose the wrong sport because I could have played soccer, you know, in Italy. It's perfect. You know, yeah. you, you play soccer or tennis or something. That's a, a little bit, still expensive, but not quite as yeah. much. Uh, I chose the most expensive sport that you can possibly do. Yeah, a pair of football boots does not come in as close yeah, to the cost yeah. of a new pair of uh, a new brace engine or a new pair of slick tires. <laughs> you break the, the chassis, oh my God, it's just like, yeah, 5,000 yeah. bucks gone like that, yeah. 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 So, yeah, no, I, I basically started my mini cart and junior years especially. So, I think the breakthrough was when I became Italian champion in the junior class. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, was a, with a regional, it was a weird there were many championships at the time, but basically we had a race which was like between uh, every region of Italy was bringing uh, their best drivers. Okay. And then they will be crowned uh, Italian champion, basically. So that's, you know, we won that race as a team. And yeah, I was an Italian champion there. So I started to become more noticed because I was still, you know, my mechanic was my father and we had just the little van and yep. he was using it for work. So in the weekend, it was becoming like a, you know, a racing service cart uh, type of thing. And, and then, yeah. So from there, then I won, I kept on winning and doing really well. I stepped up to the class, which was called like ICA at the time. It was like kind of like the senior class, what, what you would call it today. And, um, I won a very important race at the Italian championship where like uh, there were, the manufacturers, let's say, of go-kart, because, of course, there are manufacturers over there, too. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got noticed. And from there, I got the first, uh, let's say, how do you call it, job offer? I don't know. It's yeah, like, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's like job offer as a factory driver yep. in the go-kart. So basically, I got some teams coming in. It's like, okay, will you test with us? And, the, and to me, it was like, you know, complete new thing. I couldn't believe it. Yep. So we did a few outings. And uh, funnily enough, they went really, really well. So after that, yeah, they just basically harmed me, uh, I would say, you know, and yeah, and I, from there, I think I became a professional in go-karting, let's say. Yeah. So from there, basically, I was just able to keep on doing it without the support of the family, but just like as a... Well, you had the support of the family, but a different yeah. kind of support. A different kind of support, moral support, yeah. not actually yeah. money yeah. support. Your yeah, dad exactly. didn't have to like do all so many miles exactly. in the car as much. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So he was just coming and see the races at yeah. that time. So yeah. it, it was much happier, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. There'd yeah. be a big change there. And so um, so now you're a sponsored go-kart driver, and so where did mm-hmm. that go from there? And what was the successes that you had in that uh, Well, yeah, I, I did many years uh, from there. You know, I, started, I think it went for a span of 10 years, mm-hmm. I will say. So it was quite pretty long career. Um, I went through different teams, always kind of stepping up. And I went, I started to be like a pro in the middle, a senior class, let's say. It was not like a top class. And I was actually looking at 
to get in into the top class because mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, fight with the strong guys, you know. Yep. And so, yeah, eventually I made it over there. I started to do world championships and yeah, yeah, I think I kind of started to become recognized and as one of the contenders, let's say. And, you know, I was in the Italian team, so I was kind of recognized. And so that went on for a while. And as it happens in motorsport, you know, you never want to stop where you are. So I said, okay, where I'm here, what was the goal? And of course it was car racing. Yep. So... As I was a established go-kart driver, let's say, um, I always wanted to, the next step was naturally to move into cars. But over there, of course, it's uh, really like a mountain to scale if you don't have any support or sponsors or stuff like that. So it kind of can become like a sort of wall yep. that it's impossible to break. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I just tried to, to take every chance that I got. I think that's kind of like yeah the thing that that I did and uh yeah from 17 uh, I started to kind of have uh, uh some winning races that had as a prize a test with a formula car and then I was uh, signing up to all the auto magazine kind of challenges you yep. know that that they do and then they, you go out and you set a lap time kind of like time attack kind mm-hmm. of thing so trying to I won a couple of those always trying to you know get into that and uh, and yeah and eventually uh, the way it came together i i was keep on doing the the go-kart racing the professionally and then i with a little bit of results I actually won the first race that i did with the gt car you know lucky enough and uh, so from there i got a job offer in the united states has a driver coach basically okay. to become a driver coach yeah okay and so. then was it difficult for example to go through things like obviously you come from europe anything like mm-hmm. visa and getting the work permit i mean was that a challenge or anything um, like that it was yes uh, it's not an easy process at all but uh, luckily with my background in a way i was able to just because motorsport is such a niche yeah, in a way so i was going to say it's a pretty specialized yeah, industry exactly so i was able to get um probably a little bit easier, let's say, uh, a visa Mm -hmm. for that type of specialty. Because, of course, there's, you know, it's not a specialty like a carpenter or something like that. It's kind of, let's say, more common. Uh, So, yeah, probably that's what helped me, you know, a little bit the background that I had. And um, funnily enough, I, I never raced and I think I'd never been actually in the U.S. before that, before actually coming to work in the U.S. So, you know. And then so you come to the U.S. and you ended up where? Uh, in Las Vegas. <laughs> and so, you're yeah. driving, uh, you're being uh, a racing instructor for which company? Uh, it was a Dream Racing. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it was a new company, basically, uh, owned by uh, Italians. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like an Italian which company. Which helped. Yeah, which helped. That's how I kind of got, you know, uh, the yeah the opportunity. And so basically, yeah, I just moved from uh, a little town near Venice in uh, in Italy to Las Vegas in the US. So. Which is, I mean, they're basically the same, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, mean, I, I north, saw no north, differences. Northeast Italy and yeah, like, of course. Uh, I mean, Las Vegas, basically the same climate, everything. Yeah, of course. And, and also, you got Venice over there in Vegas too. Yeah, so, you know, Venetian, so it's, right? yeah, it's exactly. the same it's, thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, obviously, you come here to Las Vegas. And then, so how did you find fitting in in Las Vegas then? Uh, wow, it's, yeah, jokes aside, it's like completely different world. Um, I would like to say that I'm always been kind of like, um, I don't know, how do you say it, but uh, I always been looking outside of Italy in a way. I was always, I always kind of embraced other cultures and I, I was always looking into the US kind of mm-hmm. like as the, you know, I really like the culture. Yep. So probably wasn't as difficult for me to embrace it and become a part of it but of course you you feel like a foreigner especially at the beginning you know i mean i still feel like a foreigner yeah here. exactly i mean yeah and then and i will say obviously living in las vegas which is yeah. i mean there's not too much water there well there is a river obviously but yeah, yeah. it's i mean it's pretty it's pretty much a desert yeah right? yeah and exactly. it's hot yeah oh yeah absolutely it's it's grueling in the summer it's, you got two months that literally you can cook yourself yeah, yeah, I think more yeah. than two months. But I think oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> very probably you're right, yeah. So, so what were you, so how did you, so that was when, was that when Dream Racing was you sort of starting that program? Yeah, exactly. So I came in the starting process, actually. So I, go, I went there when they actually was not actually operating yet. Mm-hmm. So we, we had just had some desks and we needed to build everything. Yep. So from the ground up, I kind of like didn't really go and instruct at the beginning for probably for the first half year mm-hmm. because the company was not even open and kind of, you know, helped the whatever I could basically I remember I set up simulators and you know helped with the mechanics sometimes moving cars and here and there setting up tracks and all the setup of the you know the whole company basically yeah so that's that's how we started over there 
And so uh, to give some of our listeners who don't know about dream racing, what is it that they do or what is it that they it's do? A, yeah, of course, good point. It's a driving experience, basically. Mm-hmm. What it is, it's a driving experience. You go there and uh, you can drive – today you can drive – Pretty much any type of supercar, and it's basically right. You pay it, and you can have like different cars and different yeah. number of laps, and, exactly. and go from there. Exactly. You go packages, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a great way to have fun with a supercar on track, driving some laps in a safe environment. You got the instructor. It's it kind of became a common thing nowadays. Uh, actually, there are I think three companies now in Las Vegas doing it only in Vegas. So yeah, and I think that I mean, do, do they still have one here in LA? Out of I think Fontana? yes, yeah. I think. In Fontana, there is one. It's yeah. uh, it actually is uh, the same one. In yeah, Vegas it's the same well. one in Vegas. It's uh, Exotics. Yeah. it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. And then, do they offer anything else aside from that? I mean. Well, yeah, the the way it actually started is they wanted to do something different because there was already another company doing it mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. So uh, the way it started was actually uh, they brought race cars. It was the only product. They had like 10, it was 10 or 12 uh, Ferrari Challenge cars, yep. uh, which were basically set up as a full GT spec. Which, let's be honest, are quite fast cars. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're know, race cars. Absolutely, it's a race car, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but uh, the fact is that it, it wasn't like the, the, probably the market, I will say, it wasn't already for it. Yep. So, just, the, for the people, it was just a Ferrari. You yeah. know, for us, it was just like, it's a race car, it's a Ferrari, it's the, you know, probably the closest you can drive, Ferrari race car, you know, ever. Because nobody could, you could not do it, I think, never, ever, like, aside from being an owner of, or a proper racer, right? Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah, and so, but basically, yeah, there was no, nobody coming, because it was just, you know, too expensive, probably, because, of course, the, the yeah. running cost of the car is quite high, so you need to price it accordingly. Yeah, and, and to be fair as well, I mean, you run a, I mean, how long's the race, or how big's the racetrack? Um, it was, well, the one that we were using was the infield of the speedway, yep. so it's not as long, it's like 1.2 miles. And I'm guessing also that, well, let's not be beat around the bush here, the Ferrari yeah. Challenge car is a very, very quick racing car, yeah. but for average Joe Smo, if they were to just get in a regular Ferrari Oh yeah, and drive around. There's probably not going to be much speed difference. Absolutely. No, the problem is that the race car is even more intimidating because you jump in. You need to have a, a, a harness. A, a, you know the, the suit. Yep. Uh, the helmet. You got you know the the roll cage, the safety cage. It's it's just like and then when you switch on, you have all the switches. It mm-hmm. just like feels complicated. Yeah. You know, like you said, every Joe is just like is scared about the car even when he starts like going slow. Yeah. In fact. As the funny thing is that as an instructor, the problem was not to stop them, but it was to encourage them to do, to, to give gas, to go faster. Like, yeah. trust the car, trust the car, go in it. You know, don't worry, don't break here. It's just like, because they were so intimidated by it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was good, but in a way, you wanted also, as, you know, as an instructor, you wanted to, the people to enjoy more. And sometimes you had people that were a little bit, I don't want to say frustrated, but like, you know, they were not enjoying as much because they were so worried. Yeah. So speaking of that then, being an instructor, I mean, there must be some times where you've had obviously not ideal Oh yeah, people that you've had to <laughs> instruct or get. Can you tell us a little bit some of the times where you feared for your yeah, life? Yeah, let's say the funny stories. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, the the so, good ones. Yeah, well, good ones. yeah, of course. Well, I don't know. I mean, there, there's been luckily not too many, which is good with me. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, so, well, I would say that the easy thing was when there's, like, a language gap. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes you had, like, a, a, I don't know, it was, a, like, a Spanish yeah. guy that was, like, literally no, father of, you know, it was a gift for him and, you know, birthday gift, came to the U.S. from Spain, doesn't know the language at all. And, I mean, I can relate because my father is the same. Mm-hmm. He speaks only Italian. So, yeah. you know, so basically he jumped in the car and didn't really have a clue what he was doing. And I guess the the son was, like, pumping him so much you just jump on the car and you press the gas that's all you have to do so he felt almost like you know he had to do it to demonstrate to the son that he was you that know he could do it he yes. could do it so basically next thing we exit by you know in the the pit lane you you start you know from from an angle and we started with a burnout yeah. like little that's not how you start so i freaked out i said either this guy is a professional driver you know for europe that i didn't know about and is like in disguise or we're going to crash <laughs> it's just like one of the two things like i started to go like slow 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 arreta, arreta. i was trying all the languages crew that i could give you know arreta, arreta, frena, frena, yep. something like that just in order to him to stop 
And finally, it was just like an out of control five minutes that I just tried to manage to not crash the car. I was, yeah. it's, I could not give any instruction because the guy was just like slamming on the gas, like on off, yep. turning what he was not supposed to, breaking way too late. Uh, sometimes going off the course. Luckily, there was no, no yeah. gravel and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, you know the feeling. I mean, it's it's not. Yes, yeah, nice. it's, it's not ideal. Yeah. So yeah, that was one. Then I had another close call with. Um, oh yeah, well, this maybe not sounds as fun, but I mean, it, it sounds fun, but it was not fun for me. So <laughs> a guy is like complete hangover. It's like almost not awake, but yeah, okay, I have to do this thing. Very quiet. So I said, oh, my, maybe it just goes low. And so it starts to build the momentum. We start, we go out very slow, first two laps. I think he was doing five laps or something like that. Then by the last lap, he starts to get excited, you know, and, and he's really on it and he's actually doing quite well. And at a certain point, I see him like kind of slowing down and blacking out and it's like, okay, the corner's there. So he makes the corner and next thing you know, the the wind with windshield is like all covered in puke. <laughs> Like, he literally, he was like, you know, I think it's like the movie Alien, just yeah, like, bah, right out, yeah. like, shoots right out like that, boom. So, I was like, oh, okay, and then I tried to go on the radio not saying like, uh, okay, I got puke in the car. It's yeah. just like, uh, uh, we have a, a small issue, uh, we need to <laughs> we need to park before we arrive where the crowd is, you know, it's like, uh, come to the car, say, oh, what's going on, tell us, tell us what's going on. Uh, yeah, no, it's nothing serious. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. So just try to manage it. And then we stopped. And yeah, then they figured out the, the reality. It was they had to well, take out the car for a week and clean it. In that situation, I'm just glad that he wasn't wearing a, a closed face helmet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, probably for the car, it would have been better. Yeah. Because then not, it was just the helmet. But yeah. 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 yeah not the, ideal. Yeah, for, for the guys taking care of the car, it was not fun. No, yeah. I can imagine it's, it'd be never. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully. If they're hearing this now, they're kind of like, oh, I thought I forgot about this story, yeah. you know? <laughs> and hopefully they hit him with a cleaning fee. Or the oh, yeah. Cleaning. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know, to be honest, but yeah, probably maybe something or yeah, to tip bigger. I don't know. Well, look, like I know there's always a taxi. They always tell you like a $50 yeah, charge. Exactly. So it's like maybe it's. Yeah, maybe, it's, yeah. Maybe they, they thought about it afterwards. And then did you, and so, but I'm guessing also on the flip side, you might also have drivers that are rather capable that you'll be giving. <laughs> tips to an instruction to as well yeah absolutely yeah well it's the fun of the job was actually when you could find the the guys that actually were not braggy about their driving skills but like kind of the new yeah or, or they actually maybe even didn't know that i had a talent because yep. you know everyone kind of has a hidden talent here and there but if you never jump on a car you're never gonna know right yeah so some people totally you know they just had the instinct for it and it was actually fun to become faster and faster lap by lap and then they were like super happy you know so yeah that was probably the the nice part of the job because you could actually feel you could make somebody faster like from because they were understanding you they were listening that was like the best case scenario and then, so where did that lead you then? So obviously you're an instructor there. So what, what else has, has well, yeah, you the, through there? The way it started, basically, I kind of took um, a step back mm -hmm. in the racing because for me it was also, you know, moving from Europe to the US, uh, of course it was an opportunity, but in a way it was a tough decision because, you know, as we said before, I was a pro karting racer and I could have kept doing it, mm -hmm. I mean, for until the end of career. Many, many drivers do that. You know, they, they try to get into the car racing, they're not able to do it, but they still do the job perfectly in karting. So you have all these pros keep on going until, I don't know, 35, even 40 sometimes, and they keep doing that. You know, it's like uh, they are revered like uh, Formula One drivers in their own because they won many races and championships. But yep. I didn't want to stop there. So I kind of, I was 25 when I moved and I kind of said, well, I might just give it a try because, you know, I always believe in the train passing and if you don't take it, you don't know what's going to be. So, right. yeah. Exactly. So when the opportunity comes, I'm always leaning towards it. So, um, yeah, I just took it. and But because of that, I kind of had to stop, in a way, my career. Say, like, okay, I had to talk to the team. And they were talking already about the next season. And I'm like, well, guys, yeah, I'm actually moving. And I'm yeah, not going to be in Europe. So I think we cannot. And, you know, they were quite pissed off, let's say. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, um, so, yeah, I moved. And basically, I had no other racing lay down because I was just moving to become uh, you know the job was to be an instructor not a racing driver yep. but I kind of had the the feeling in a way or maybe you know the sixth sense you want to say that something could have happened and it was in the car business so eventually you know with the years I first of all it was a great opportunity because doing the job of uh, um, driving instructor actually teaches you a lot 
about the driving itself, even if you don't drive, like even staying right seat, which nowadays is kind of, you know, it's kind of a dangerous job, but I was doing it more in a control and safe environment. So I was not really, you know, I was not going to Laguna Seca, mm -hmm. right seating car. Yeah. Like, you know, that, yeah. I would be scared of that as well. But, uh, or I really need to trust the driver. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Just, yeah. But basically, you know, doing it in that environment kind of gave me the, the, the chance to experience so many different type of cars and race cars. So learn better that when I was getting, you know, of course I was also driving hot laps. So, you know, I always had to, you know, experience different type of cars here and there. So I don't want to say it was kind of, testing sessions but it was just like you know always keeping your skills fresh yep. and I was every time I was getting in the car I was learning more learning more learning more so I was more ready when the opportunity came in to actually be ready to drive now know? another quick question obviously there was more than one uh, racing instructor there at Train Racing mm -hmm. right and you do the hot laps how oh, yeah. competitive was it between <laughs> the instructors on who was doing the quickest laps? Yeah, of course. There's the, 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 like the secret time board, which is you know you cannot show it because we you know you're not allowed. Of course, of course. Yeah, you. But you know it, and also the thing is you know you go out. Oh, I'm going out for all. You try to keep it cool. You know nobody's oh, I'm going in an outlap. You know not even saying it. And there's like oh, Alessandro's doing an outlap. And then everybody's like with the phone or the chronometer on hand, just timing you. Yeah. You know, and and the fact is that in the hot lap you don't really complete one full lap. So technically, you could not time it. But if you take like the the loop immediately after the pit lane, at the second time by, you can have a time lap. Yep. So you know you were on it because you knew that you needed to set the time. So you were on it as soon as out of the pit lane, you were on it. <laughs> and so. then did you ever have any uh, drivers that had come through paying guests that had come close to any of the times that you guys had set down? Actually, yes. Actually, some some drivers were actually, well, maybe they had some other driving yeah. experience or even racing experience. Maybe uh, an older gentleman or, you know, somebody that used to race, you know, and then it was just refreshing a little bit and that they were there. So um, I don't think they ever got faster than any of the instructors. I was going to say, because obviously yeah. they're coming in for like one shots, whereas you guys yeah, yeah. Well, probably have home track advantage. Maybe. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know the track, you know the tires, you know the cars. Uh, it's, you, you get quite a bit, a bit of advantage. Yeah. In fact, you know, sometimes, you know, we were doing events with maybe, or even SEMA, those kind of things. Pro drivers were coming in. And of course, you, you have a guest, maybe, you know, driving a few cars or whatever. And we had, like, you get in the awkward position where, like, uh, IndyCar driver comes in or uh, NASCAR driver or, or somebody you know famous yeah. comes in and you are the instructor it's like what, what am I going to say to this guy you yeah. know, he knows how to drive right <laughs> but in the end it was not faster than us because you know they didn't know because it all goes about the circumstances right yeah. so you know we had a, an unfair advantage knowing the cars the track everything it's like so I always believe that you know if like if you're the local racer at that track any pro can come in, but if they don't have any close to the training that you have over there, you will always you, you have a good chance to beat them. Yeah, you know, they eventually will get there, but you know they have a hard task. I saw that uh, one time when uh, I was invited to compete with uh, the global rally cross drivers mm -hmm. at uh, the karting down in Torrance. Okay, yeah, and uh, yeah, the the local like karting manager won. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yes. He, picked, he picked the best cart. Of course, and he's of course. Only him to use his cart, and obviously yeah. he's 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 done quite a few laps there. Of course, no. That's yeah. With karting rental places, it's always the same. Like you know, when they show, you know, when, when drivers go out, of course they they bring their own helmet, right? Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. So they see start to see racing helmets around. You see the kid or you know the guy like managing the place. Somehow it just jumps in and he's there racing with you. Yeah. It's like all, all of a sudden it becomes a race and, and of course it's always beating you. There's yeah. no way you can beat that guy. Yeah, of that, course. That yeah. one guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. And and so so what else have you been doing then with the dream racing? Where did that lead you then till next? Well, I worked there for basically seven years. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, and uh, I was not really only instructing. I actually started there as instructor, but um, I got more in a manager role, uh, mm -hmm. let's say. So I was actually, um, well, I was in charge of the branding. So actually that work kind of gave me the chance to develop all, also my other skills. Because aside from a, a driver, um, I've always been into technology media and I like design and so you know it's I always had different type of passions yep. and I was able to put that into into the job so probably it was probably the perfect job because you know I was uh, of course 
you know, you have an office and you're working with a computer, maybe on, I don't know, some graphical stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they call you, it's like, oh, we need you for a drift or we need you for a hot lap. Oh, all right, I'm coming. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, put the helmet on and do it and then go back to the office. It's like, you know, the dream job. Yeah, not too bad. But yeah, not too bad. So yeah, but yeah, I kind of uh, started to uh, get in from there. It actually happened by chance that I was, you know, just in the in the early stages of the company. There was not much driving happening, so uh, I was helping where I could, and we were designing some promotional stuff. So I got on my computer and I was doing just for fun and just helping out. It's like, oh, you you know how to use Photoshop? You know how to use this? And basically, next thing you know, I was like the graphic designer of the company. So um, yeah, I kind of like started from there and having always like two sided and the two-sided job. And then from there, I kind of developed on becoming more of a man uh, managerial type of role yeah. where I was also uh, organizing events. So we started to work with partners as Pirelli or Lamborghini especially, uh, and we were doing events with them. So I was more like in a frontline role where I was actually dealing with the managers of the events, uh, putting everything together. So I think that was a pretty nice type of job which I really liked you know kind of like uh, interacting with people organizing events making like a you know uh, I don't know 100 or 1000 people event you know branded and everything kind of putting everything to working with a different team it was pretty nice yeah and I can imagine working with brands like Pirelli and Lamborghini would be quite a Oh, yeah. Cool as well. Yeah, and then, you know, corporate events, countless corporate events. I remember we did the uh, events also with their partners too, like uh, Roger de Wee or the, all those uh, brands. So it was always a challenge in a way. You kind of feel, uh, I always like to say, you kind of have kind of the same feel of uh, anxiety like that you have before a race, sure. also before an event. Yeah, because so you want to make sure like, it's yeah. all coming up together, right? Exactly. So it was also a training for the racing, like, just to stay cool and, you know, be on top of things. Yeah. And that's, you know. Uh, so yeah, it was actually pretty pretty fun, pretty nice. And then, so how did you go? So obviously, you're sort of changing different roles and moving mm -hmm. around. So when did you get start getting back into doing the racing again? Then yeah, so basically, I was there. Um, well, I was there instructing and uh, doing all the other jobs. And then, uh, well, I always had the passion for it. So I didn't want to give up. Just say, okay, you know, well, I had, you know, yeah. I was racing and whatever. So. Luckily, in my racing in Europe, I, I got in contact with uh, some teams that actually were from the US. Mm -hmm. And they were, um, so this team, this go-kart team from the US, uh, was uh, actually coming to Europe for the World Championship or bringing some drivers from the US over there. So that's how I got to know them. Then, next thing that I know, I said, oh, I'm going to shoot them uh, an email. I said, like, hey, guys, I'm in the US right now. I'm living in Las Vegas, you know. If you want to do something together, whatever, it's like I'm here. So they jumped at the chance, and basically this team, which uh, can I say their name, J3 Competition of at course. the time, yeah. Uh, basically, they're based in Pennsylvania, and um, basically, we, I started to race with them go karts in the US. So I kind of was able to keep a racing program going, even if it was still go kart. But uh, I started to race in the US series. Basically, racing's racing. Exactly, exactly. So I kind of started to race with them for a couple of seasons. Um, and it was cool, actually, because I could see all the different reality of the U.S. karting world or motorsport world, which was, it is kind of different in a way, but it's also nice where see the similarities with European racing. Mm -hmm. And it's also quite high level. I was surprised by the high level that there is also over here in the, in the competition. So, yeah, it was, that was also a nice thing. And then in the meantime, uh, I think after like two, three to four years after the company was open, it started, like we mentioned before, about the fast drivers, right, that were coming through. So, you know, we kind of started thinking, you know, this could be, you know, the, the owners as well of the company were coming from a racing background. They were both drivers and they they worked for racing schools before. So I said, so why doesn't this stop us from becoming also sort of racing school? Because mm -hmm. we got the track, we got the race cars. You can build, of course, it, it, mainly the core business is an arrive and drive type of thing. But when, you know, why can't you do a racing dedicated program on certain days that maybe you can get the guy that wants to actually get into racing, you know, he, he could do. So basically we started to build these programs and eventually started to become, you know, uh, something quite, uh, quite popular. And so you had started to have these kind of clients that are, were willing, maybe they were like, you know, car collectors or, you know, um, people that wanted to get into kind of racing and they had the funding to do it mm -hmm. and so but they, the fact is that they don't know how to start because of course you know if you start from go-karts you know how kind of it is but try to imagine you know you i don't know you win the lottery and then you can do whatever you want you have a huge passion for cars and racing how do you start yeah 
maybe it's not like Im- immediately. Because uh, there's not really, the, can't like go and like find out how do I become a racing exactly. car driver. On it's it's kind of like a hidden secret of the industry in a way. It's like, yeah. you know, and there's not really a rule for it, you know. Uh, some people just like, oh, you have the money, you go race. Yeah, okay, it's easy. But how do you do it? Where do you go? It's mm-hmm. like, so this place was kind of the perfect getaway from somebody looking to get into the race. And especially in series which were kind of tailored for that kind of like, as we mentioned, like uh, Ferrari Challenge, Porsche Cup, or Lamborghini Super Trofeo, which actually ended up being the core partnership that we had with. So, yeah, basically, you start to have these clients, and, of course, these clients, they need driver instructors. And so, basically, that's where I see the possibility to kind of have, okay, maybe this thing can become a racing gig, basically, kind of like. So, we had some clients coming through the years, and basically from there, the, the, the company had to sort of divide and open a branch, a racing branch, which was the motorsport division. And so basically they, they built a team. Of course, they had to buy the trailers and everything, get that separate facility, just managing that. Uh, and yeah, and that's how the program, the, the driving, the racing program started. And that's how I got the opportunity to get into racing here in the U.S. And so what were you racing then? When the- so at the beginning of the program was uh, with the, uh, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo. Mm-hmm. So um, at the beginning, immediately, the team didn't really have the um, the structure to actually support a racing program. So they were actually going to different uh, teams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like uh, hiring services. And they were bringing their clients with there. So we were like the driver coaches and we were driving with them. So uh, the first year I started with um, Lamborghini Gallardo in the Super Trofeo, which was actually the, I think it was 2015, the first year where there was the Huracan came out. Yeah, so I think I was l- lucky enough to do hot laps with someone in a 2014 yeah. Super Trofeo. Uh, 2014 it was the last year of the Gallardo. Yeah, and so, I, that was a really, I'll be honest with you, that was a really quick car. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. I don't think I've been in a car that's been faster. Really? With the, I think it was mostly the, the, the speed on the, the speed, the acceleration, or the, the top speed. Yeah. And the braking, yeah, oh was, yeah, it was the biggest too. Yeah, absolutely. The braking power of that car is is still to this day is amazing. Yeah, and and also well the power delivery. The the only thing that I mean that car actually had a quite big advantage over the the other competitors in the same class because it was four wheel drive. So even like with the the track was a little bit slippery on wet condition, you were like you know you you were going and so it was a, it was a pretty nice car and the braking capability like you mentioned it was like amazing you could brake so deep into yeah. the corner i mean i remember just being thrust all yeah. the way forward Boom. in my six point harness being yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 exactly no it was a pretty fun car and a great car to learn like the gt type of thing mm-hmm. and because then the next step actually the huracan is in a way, it's a much quicker car, but it's much more intimidating. It's more like because the 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 Gallardo was built as a, a transition from it was transitioned from a road car. Then they took the chassis of the road car and made it to race car. So it was kind of like a hybrid in a way, not really proper. Mm-hmm. Um, the proper race car, the Huracan is was built with the purpose of racing, like the, the racing version. So that's much stiffer, you know, it's, it's a completely different animal. So the first time you drive it, it's actually quite intimidating. You feel like you're on, on a rocket. And then, so where where were you racing that then? What were the tracks that you were hitting up when you were competing in that um, The first race I think I did was a VAR, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Virginia. Um, it's a beautiful track. I mean, probably my favorite actually in in the whole US. Yeah. yeah. Since I haven't driven it uh, in real life, I've just driven it on video games. It oh, does it, look very pretty. It's it's amazing. It, but it, it's a track that, to be honest, you can ask every driver. is It's unbelievable how it, it retains some sort of danger mm-hmm. all the time. Every single. I never had a track where you go. And every single lap, you're thinking, I might crash here. I might crash here. I might crash. I need to be careful. I need to be careful. Like, there's the section, you know, of the S's, which is probably super famous, of course. But basically, going to the S's, and with those cars, you, you know, sometimes you hit it flat out. And it's just like, every time you're doing the cross sign. It's like, you're just like, oh, my God. It's like, okay, here it comes again. And then, uh, to concentrate, boom, go through it. Okay, and then next section comes but it's uh it's unbelievable really really nice track and uh yeah it's it's uh, it has uphill downhill blind corners uh it's very fast overall the the rhythm is really really fast even in the slow section so i think it's a driver's favorite for that you know plus very green and wide it's really it looks like a, it has a 
old heritage you know mm-hmm. it's like it, it, you go with modern cars racing in like in the 70s kind of yeah. like you know it's really nice and then i raced uh, well laguna seca which is closer to here then uh, pretty much a, a lot of uh, you I, I don't know if i did all of them but i mean not not definitely not all of them but like uh, i've been to Watkins Glen, of course another amazing track uh, mid ohio uh, all historic tracks really um yeah sonoma as well is close over here so i had the chance to actually get you know into all the iconic and then of course coda where formula one is racing this weekend Mm -hmm. which is probably the typical type of track from the us you could see differently the i mean the difference you can definitely feel it's a different type of thing because of course it's probably the only track that has been built to let's say formula one standards here in the us so i think maybe now Watkins Glen is kind of close to it, but I'm I'm not sure because it you know the walls are so close and stuff. But yeah, so basically that's that's the the track that probably was most impressive to to look at. And then so how did you go in those series in the series? Well, uh, we did uh, actually we didn't we start from half season, mm-hmm. so uh, it was actually pretty good because we we were always in the top three of the Gallardo class because the first year there was like the Hurricane you know the Hurricane teams upgrading to the new car, but some teams wanted to keep the Gallardo maybe they were keeping one of the Gallardos there so we had you know for for especially the driver that I was following was the best thing because it was not as competitive and the car was a little bit more manageable so it was the perfect way because it was actually beginning racing a good introduction say exactly so yeah but we did really well um we I think we went on the podium a couple of races and then we actually a very good shot at the world finals which were in Sebring but I fortunately had to go with a bad end of the stick over there because basically um, we I, we did the qualifying and I was like on first row for both the qualifying because the world uh, the world finals work in a, I think even today in a two races format and the best result out of the out of the two I mean combined the the points combined of the two make the world champion of the class yeah and so we had the the first two row in class start for both races. And the rule was that both drivers need to set a lap time for both sessions. So in the first one, we did it. We were like, I think, uh, second. And then in the second one, I was on pole. And my driver didn't have, the, he, by rule, he just had to complete one lap no matter the speed. So I told him just, hey, go easy on it. You know, you just have to complete one lap, you know. But uh, of course, as we know, those are the less famous words. Yep. And he crashed on that lap. So he crashed basically not too badly, but badly enough that the team could not repair the car in time for the race. They didn't have the pieces or mm-hmm. anything. So yep. basically, we were out of the race. And we had a good shot at winning. So I was like, oh, my God, yes. Like, you know, it could have been a great moment. And it finally turned out you have to go home. But, yep. you know, then you just have to think about it. Okay, it's the usual saying, you know, oh, that's racing. And, you know, you have to go with it. Yeah. And then, so what about the season after that, then? Uh, then, season after that, I kind of uh, uh, sit on the side for the moment because the fact is with coaching, you know, it, it really depends on, you know, who you're with, you know, and which programs they have. So, for example, the, the driver that I was following didn't want to continue uh, the year after. So, um, then other drivers came in. But, of course, there are so many spots and it depends who you're following, you know. So, um the next time I got into the car was actually 2016. Mm-hmm. It was two year, two seasons after that. And yeah, it, it was with a new car. So basically from there, we did a couple of races. Uh, they went quite okay. It was in the top five, uh, if I remember well. And then, uh, and then from there, um, I started to follow a new driver. And basically from there, we built a program where we actually, you know, continued. And uh, that one was the year after. And actually, we won the championship. So that was, you know. Pretty good. Which is not a bad thing yeah, to do exactly. to say you, you won the championship, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then so so you're racing in, in the Super Trofeo, and then what's the, the next steps for you from there? Well, from there it was actually a ladder, just an upward ladder, because the the way uh, it worked is we started, so we, well, the clients I was following, I was doing both type of uh, jobs, so I was uh, coaching outside of the car, not driving, mm-hmm. because the championship he was in was just like single driver sprint format with one driver, yep. so it was just like outside doing all the other jobs like data. I was driving in the, you know, there's a day like usually on the Wednesday or Thursday that they organize a session open to also the driver coaches to drive. So usually the, what you do during the weekend is you set up the car for the client, you know, up to his 
standard or preference in a way that is drivable for him mm -hmm. and then he just goes off and then you get, do the work outside coaching spawning and all that kind of stuff you work with engineer um from there uh so i was doing that and also we were doing uh co-driving it's called like pro-am the type of uh, racing in gt right now that is really popular because it's like am amateur drivers paired with pros yep um and so basically yeah that's what we're doing we we won the championship over there so we did that with the Super Trofeo series, which call, was called, it was the Pirelli World Challenge mm -hmm. at the time, which now is the Blanc Payne GT Series America. Um, we were doing that, we won that, and the year after we passed to the GT3 class, still in the Pro-Am class. So that was like, uh, uh, actually the last year that I raced in the US. And then uh, from there we did third in the championship, the first year in the Pro-Am class, which was not bad. And he was uh, second because there was also uh, in the calendar were some races that was driving alone. Yep. So still same kind of thing. This year actually changed because right now it's two drivers every race. So but the regulations changed so many of times course, all, every, all the time. Yeah, yeah. But basically, yeah, you, as a driver, you kind of have to go with it. You know, it's like, okay, sometimes you drive, sometimes not, and you, you kind of, you know, uh, do the job anyway. So, uh, yeah, after that, uh, actually, I got the, you know, um, well, from there, you know, I started to go into more, like, uh, coaching, and I also had some uh, some opportunities to uh, coach, you know, with go-kart drivers upcoming, karting drivers, but in Europe. So I kind of felt, you know, I was uh, kind of, I didn't want to stay in Vegas, you know, uh, for the long time. I wanted mm -hmm. to kind of explore more um, opportunities. And so basically, I had actually the opportunity with this driver that I was following that he wanted to go to race to Europe. So finally, uh, in the winter of last year, actually told me, okay, I want to go and race in Europe. Do you want to come? Uh, all right, yeah. Sure, sign so, me up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, didn't have to think too much about it. You said, and I've got my toothbrush. I'm ready to go. There you go. Perfect. All I need. And basically, yeah, so we built a program in the what is the European Le Mans Series. Uh, and with the, we stepped up to a LMP3 car, which is a prototype. So it's a completely different type of car because until now I've been driving, you know, aside from some formula that I've been doing, uh, back in the days in Italy, but it was very, very limited. Uh, I always been driven like GT type of car. So that was kind of like a new learning process. And it kind of went back more to the karting days because the car is much more similar in a mm -hmm. way to go-kart. It's much more direct. It's much more, you know, it's kind of like a formula covered up. So, um, yeah, it's, that's how it came together. And that's what we're doing right now. And so you competed in Europe last season and this year, or it says, it says we in the tail end of 2019, what's the tail end of this now looking for you on going into 2020? So yeah, the, the continuation of the program is to go to Asia. Mm -hmm. So basically we are starting actually in a couple of weeks, uh, no, three weeks I think from now, the, um, the Asian Le Mans series, which is a sort of a in, uh, in, yeah, winter series uh, where, because with this year we had a small issue with um, entering into the European Le Mans series because oddly enough, it's one of the few racing series that has a cap of uh, entries and they had like more requests than what, you know, usually championships struggle to get, you know, cars in. This one is totally the opposite problem. So we were on the waiting list and we were able to start by the third race. Okay. So basically we were out of the championship, you know, mm -hmm. because we two races down out of six. Yeah, it's not, it's and, not, and plus not you cannot, helpful. Yeah, and plus you cannot take out, you know, uh, the, the bad results, let's say. You cannot skip races. So, yeah, it was kind of more of, uh, you know, we wanted to keep the learning process going. So we keep doing testing. And and then from there we say okay so what's the next championship that we can get in from the beginning and so basically that was like the natural evolution so now we're going to Asia and so what's the team name that they have? Uh, it's uh, called the program is called Ace One and the team the Italian team is Villorba Corsa it's they they have quite a big experience in uh, uh, especially endurance and prototype racing because they've been completing three years in a row in Le Mans with LMP2 class so not an easy task. So yeah, it's uh, I've been knowing them for a long time, but never actually raced with them until this year. So. And so, uh, what about some of your other sponsors that you work with? I mean, feel free to to talk about how your sponsors help you and assist you, and how difficult it is to maybe keep them or find new ones. I mean, it must be obviously you wore many hats being at oh, yeah. Dream Racing, but I'm assuming being a racing driver, you have to wear many, many other hats Oh, as well. yes, yes. It's the nightmare, let's say. <laughs> yeah, because no. what? You've got to drive. You've yeah. got to do all your self-promotion. Of course. You've got to find new sponsors. Yeah. You've got to keep those sponsors. And exactly. Then, I mean, it can't be. 
No, of course, of course, and and you know it's uh, that's really the tough job of being a driver. You know, you need to try to. It's mostly part of the job. I mean, biggest part of the job is that. You know, you need to do all the self promotion and everything else. You know, to get the attention because you know it's a uh, there's a quite a big competition out there. So uh, my job is more like uh, you know I work with some partners, but they're more like uh, technical partners. So mm -hmm. they provide you know uh, all the stuff that we need for the team or the. Job drivers you know from uh, technical equipment um but my my focus is uh, working with the you know the, the pro am type of racing is basically where uh, many of the drivers are funding the programs basically so you don't really need to work with the i mean they are sort of the sponsor of the yeah. of the team basically uh, and basically you work uh, being a sort of i don't want to say concierge in a way it's like you basically Put everything together for them. Okay, the travel schedule, uh, the the contact with the team, the management of the car, everything that goes like for getting before, after the training program, everything else. Basically, you you act as a personal assistant, like basically. a manager. Exactly, like a manager. So yeah, you manage the person, and uh, and yeah. then you manage the results by. And then, and then the you have also exactly. Then you have also the hard task of making him fast and be fast yourself as well. So it's no like, pressure, you know, no, no pressure, pressure at all. all. No, no, no pressure at all. <laughs> so, what are some of the tips then you'd give people who are listening to this and thinking that want to at least try and like dip their toe in? That they've, they've done like a few track days and mm -hmm. they feel like they're fast. What are the, the trips you'd give them, so to speak? Yeah, I talk with a lot of guys actually, especially since I moved here in uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a lot of people passionate that kind of go to track days and you know by been in, in of course the motorsport world in the culture you know you meet a lot of people and uh, I, I got a lot of times this question and yeah I mean it's um, I think the first uh, advice that I will give is set your priorities straight which might sound weird but of course you have a budget right mm -hmm. and so until you say okay you have somebody funding you and okay you can do whatever you want I think you don't have to make the I don't know if you say it but the step too long like the too long of the leg. I don't know. Yeah. We say that in Italian. But uh, basically, don't you know? Uh, go too far that then you might have, you know regret it. And so manage your you know expenses and try to get into uh, learning the most that you can uh, by going out. Of course, doing it is the first thing, and then try all the collaterals like. Uh, Simulator work is a great thing, I think, especially nowadays that is so popular. Uh, even if you do it at home, it actually teaches you, done in the proper way, it teaches you really the driving craft and, you know, everything. And then many times I say even, of course, driving is the most important thing. You need to be seated on the car. So the, most, the many times you can do it, the better it is. But if you think that you hit a wall in a way, learning in the learning curve, you need to go to somebody and just try to ask for advice and actually being criticized. You say like, okay, can you, you know, sometimes uh, maybe you see a driver there, you see it's better than you, or maybe it's a driver coach out there and say like, okay, you just look at me one second. It's like giving a few tips on, and that's how, you know, because even, even I, when I was learning, I was always trying to learn from, you know, and of course, observe, observe the other drivers. Let's say in any, you're doing time attack or just a track day, you're always, if you're with the other cars, unless you're alone, which is kind of like a private test day, it's the dream of every team. Yeah. But um, if you're, if you're on, you know, out on track with other people and try to look at the people that have the similar type of car to you, time of spec or whatever, and if they're faster and they're not justifying, justified by being faster just by having like a super, I mean, if you're going from, I don't know, a Lotus Elise against, a, I don't know, a LMP prototype, of course, but, a bit you know, similar, similar car. Yeah. Try to see what they do yeah. from outside, and also on the track. You know, there's, there's a call, we, we call a technique in racing, especially in go karting, is really uh, common. Uh, once you're like, let's say, two, three tenths down, which is a mile, like it, it's a lot in go karting. So if you're five tenths off, you you can go home basically. Yep. So usually it's like if you're looking for the tenths or two tenths, what you do is usually you're in the same session together. You wait for the fast guy. You know which one it is. You kind of show that you stay on the side. You don't want to show that you want to kind of stay behind them. So you f you fake you're having some kind of problems. I mean, they can see your gesture on the go-kart. And then as soon as they pass, boom, you're on, on the tail. And 
if he's not, I mean, if he's on a flyer, he needs to keep doing it, right? So you try to follow him and see where he has the advantage over you. Or, or, or even if you follow him, you see if he's doing something different, if he's, if he's breaking the same breaking zones that you are, or, or if he's breaking deeper, which usually it's the case. Uh, you know, you try to gather as much as you can from, you know, the faster people than you. That's, that's how I think you, you get better, let's say, at least from the driving part. Sure. And then if people are wanting to find out more information about you, where's the best place to find information on you? Uh, well, I am quite social, let's say. So, um, well, Instagram probably is the – Instagram is where I probably share the most because of the not only the, the post but the stories. I kind of like keep it quite updated on what I'm doing. So, yeah, if people want to be connected, then, of course, my website or I have a Facebook page and, you know, I update stuff here and there. So, it's not so what is your Instagram then? It's uh, A-L-E underscore – uh, B R E X. So it's uh, Alibrex. And then your website? Uh, com. Fantastic. That's, uh, that's where you can find me. And what about the racing team? Can, is there anything to find on the racing team? Yeah, uh, the team is pretty easy. Team Ace One. Uh, and yeah, that's that's basically also the uh, the handle in, uh, in Instagram. They have an Instagram page too, but if you look for Team Ace One, it's really easy to find with the one, not written. And also the website is the same, com. Well, uh, Sandro, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. It was no, really, no. Really a pleasure. And you breaking <laughs> it down and, and telling us how your experiences. I mean, it's it's super interesting at mine, and I'm sure it's both for you for the other listeners. And as for that, you people listening out there, as always, please leave us a very positive review. We always like to hear them. Uh, bare minimum, five out of five is what we like to look for, but we think that that's, that's only fair. That's always good. And if you've got any questions, you can always reach out to me, at no break, and that's N-O. B-R-A-K-I-N-G on Instagram and Facebook or find us at www.nobreaking.com and until then guys we'll see you next time thank you so much for listening bye bye